1: To God's family divine Justified fully through Calvary's love then, Oh, what standing is mine And the transaction so quickly was made When well, as a sinner I came He did profile far, he saved oh, praise his name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Filled my soul. When at the cross the Saviour made me whole. Down and glory filled my soul. Fill my soul. Now I've a hope that will surely end you after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure. there is those mansions are and it's cause of that wonderful day When at the cross I believe Reaches eternal and blessings Supernal From His precious hand I received Heaven came down and glory filled my soul Savior, made me, whole, made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was gone today, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Soul, feel my soul.
0: Hmm. Heaven came down this morning and filled my soul. Heaven came down this morning and filled my soul. I was awakened a number of times through the night. My heart was heavy. I wasn't sure why it was just heavy. I felt like my mind was slow, weighted down. I prayed several times through the night. And then in the early hours of the morning, I finally arose, heavy of heart, crying out to the Lord. I spoke with a brother this morning, and he was in the same place, heavy of heart, burdened. I went back to the prayer closet and heaven came down. I can't explain it except to say heaven came down and glory filled my soul and the joy of the Lord was my strength. Now, the Lord did say some things to me. He confronted me. And the word in the spirit was, have you sinned against me? No, Lord, I have not sinned against you. Are you walking clean? According to everything you know. Yes, Lord. What was my direction for you? Your last direction for me? Was wait upon the Lord and Ray enter into my rest. Have you done that, Ray? <laughs> Not this morning. And I said, Lord. Lord, I will wait upon you. And I purposely choose to enter into your rest. And heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. And the clouds were all driven away. And my heart was filled with peace. called my brother who was in the same place, and I began to pray with him about this. I pray today that the same thing has happened in his heart. In Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, we have an introduction to the key chapters of Romans, and the key chapters are chapters 6, 7, and 8. Now there's valuable content in all the rest of the book of Romans, but this is the introduction. We're going to share and talk about the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, and as I do that, I'd like to pray with you. Lord, I come today With this beautiful, beautiful fifth chapter of Romans. And my heart is so glad, so filled with joy, so filled with love, because you are a God who is faithful and true and you don't, you don't allow us to continue walking in the bondage either of our feelings or of our actions. You call us to be made completely righteous by faith in you, by trust in you, Almighty God. And I pray that today will be a day of deliverance for those brothers and sisters who will listen to this broadcast. Lord, let it be a glad day of deliverance, a day of victory. A day of joy and peace. A day when heaven comes down and fills our heart with glory. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Romans, the fifth chapter, opens this way. Therefore, And always when I read the word, therefore, I say, therefore, what? What's it referring to? Well, let's go back. Verse 22. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness for us who believe in him. Believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Okay, therefore, since we have been made righteous through faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. This, This day I stand in grace. I stand made righteous by Jesus, not walking in any known rebellion or sin, Everything that I have been told by the Spirit, I have said, yes, Lord. And I have quickly acted in obedience to his command and to his word. Now, I'm not typically a person who enjoys waiting for much of anything. Whether it's for a friend who's going to join me for a meal Whatever it is, I'm not the wait kind of person, but Jesus has changed that in me. I'm now very much a person who enjoys waiting upon the Lord. And impatience has been removed from my spirit. He's done that. I haven't. And these things that he has done in me to make me righteous, they are accounted to me by faith. You see, if you believe that somebody else's obedience can be counted for you, you have missed the whole meaning of the New Testament gospel. I know, many teachers teach that righteousness is imputed I am so grateful that righteousness is not imputed, it is infused, it is imparted, it is given to us freely, and we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus, and I praise his name for that. It is such glorious truth. Now, This morning I was beginning to move towards self-condemnation, I know had I gone there, the Lord would have been very displeased with me. There is no reason for self-condemnation once we have repented of our sin and have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. We'll learn that in the eighth chapter, but I'll read it for you quickly. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I have been set free from the law of sin and death. And now on a very practical basis, I can begin to feel heaviness, impatience. I can begin to feel that things are not going the way they should. And very quickly, at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I turn back and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go into self-condemnation. I trust you, Jesus. You are the lifter of my head. You are the one who encourages my heart. You have removed the law of sin and death from my life so that I now walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I walk in righteousness, not in wickedness. I want to share with you out of a book entitled Holy Spirit Revivals by Charles Finney. This was his experience in Utica, New York. There were two Presbyterian congregations in Utica, New York, one under Mr. Atkin and one under Mr. Brace. When I'd been in Rome about 20 days, one of the elders of Mr. Atkin's church, a very prominent and useful man, died, and I went to Utica to attend his funeral. Mr. Adkin conducted the funeral, and I learned from him that the spirit of prayer was already evident in his congregation and in that town. I am praying that the spirit of prayer will begin to move in your heart. That's a sure sign that God is beginning to open the door for revival. I continue. He told me that one of the women had been so deeply troubled in her soul about the state of the church and of the ungodly in Utica that she had prayed for two days and nights almost incessantly until her strength was exhausted. She could not endure the burden of her mind unless someone was engaged in prayer with her, someone upon whom whose prayer she could lean and who could express her desires to God. I pray that there are men and women listening to this broadcast now who will allow their mind to be burdened not with sin, not with self-concern, but allow your mind and your heart to be so burdened by the condition of the modern church and of the ungodly that you will spend several days praying, focused intently on asking Jesus to come in power, Now this morning, after the Lord filled my heart with love and joy, I immediately began to turn and pray, no longer praying for my own heaviness because that was gone, but now lifting up my heart for you who listen on the radio, lifting up my heart for those who listen on the Internet, for the ungodly, for America. Nothing is going to change in America until the Lord changes it, and he is about to change it. I have a very strong sense in my spirit that revival is coming to America, but first will come great judgment and great destruction. I wish it did not have to be that way and I've been asking the Lord if he could bring revival without judgment. But I recognize that usually in the wicked state we find ourselves in, nothing is going to change that wicked state until men and women are shaken to the very core of their being. So I'm praying, and I ask you, please, To allow the Lord God of heaven to burden you with a a prayer for the lost and the dying and the church, but not burden you with your own wicked heart because you have turned from that wicked heart and you're now filled by the Holy Spirit. You're now praying. Your heart is a heart of love and joy and peace. There comes a time when self-examination must stop and waiting upon the Lord must begin. I'm one who can spend a great deal of time going over the past and examining my behaviors and examining my failures and saying, Lord, I'm sorry. But he's already heard that, and he's already forgiven me. He's already healed me. And now it's simply for me to accept what he's done and to step into the joy of the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. And then we become useful workers for the kingdom of God, as this precious woman was that I've just shared with you. I continue, I understand this and told Mr. Adkin that the work had already begun in her heart, and he recognized it, of course, and wished me to commence labor with him and his people immediately. I soon did so, and the work began at once. The word took immediate effect, and the place became filled with the manifest influence of the Holy Spirit. Our meetings were crowded every night. And the work spread and went on powerfully, especially in the two Presbyterian congregations. Soon after I began work in Utica, I observed to Mr. Atkin that the sheriff did not attend the meetings. But a few evenings afterward, just as I was about to begin to preach, Mr. Atkins whispered to me that the sheriff had just come in. He pointed him out to me. And as he made his way up the aisle to a seat, I took a scripture verse and proceeded to address the congregation. I'd spoken a few moments when I observed the sheriff rise up in the pew, turn deliberately around, wrap his coat around himself, and kneel down. Now, this caught the attention of those who sat near him and knew him, and it produced a considerable sensation in that part of the church the sheriff remained on his knees during the whole service. He then retired to his room at the hotel in which he was staying. He afterward told me that when he went home, his mind was greatly burdened with the subject I had talked about. I had pressed the congregation to accept Christ just as he was presented in the gospel. After considering all the points I had made, he had said to himself, My soul, will you consent to this? Will you accept Christ, give up your sin, and give yourself to him? And will you do it now? He said he had thrown himself on his bed in the agony of his mind. He said he had brought his soul to accept Christ here and now and his distress left him so suddenly that he fell asleep and did not wake for several hours. When he did awake, he found his mind full of peace and rest in Christ and from that moment he became an earnest worker for Jesus. Now again, I want to press this point with you Pastor Finney is pressing the congregation to accept Christ just as he is presented in the Gospels, that is, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the question is, my soul, will you consent to this? Will you accept Christ and give up sin and give up yourself? And will you do it now? Well, we have many ways today of delivering ourselves from any sharp pangs of conscience regarding our life. We have the television. We have the YouTube videos. We have all manner of magazines and printed materials We have many different activities, whether it be one sport or another. We have gambling, now even Fantasia gambling with sports. We have all of the alcohol. We have all of the gourmet foods. We have every possible thing to please the flesh. And many of you who call yourselves Christians imbibe regularly in those things that deaden your conscience, that do not allow you to become seriously concerned about your salvation because you have made the assumption that you are saved and you are on your way to heaven, even though you know that you are not made righteous through faith. You know you do not have peace with God. You know you have not gained a position of strength in Jesus. You know you are still quite immature, and you've never stood the test of time. You've never stood up under the onslaught of the enemy. You have instead given way to your sexual perversion or your sexual desires or your pornography or your whatever it is that that satisfies the the soul of man and woman and the question will your soul will your soul put up with giving yourself totally now to Jesus Christ right now, while you're listening to me talk, will you give yourself to Jesus? And will you turn away from those things that the Holy Spirit has been struggling with you? He's been prompting you and he's been saying, cut that off. Leave it alone. Don't go there. If you want the peace and joy of Jesus to flood your soul as it has mine, you're going to have to cut off those things. You're going to have to say, no, I'm not going to go there again. I'm not going to satisfy myself with that favorite dessert. I'm not going to satisfy myself with the entertainment, with the eye candy. I'm not going to entertain all of the fullness of the table of the devil. I'm going to go after Jesus. Chapter five says, since we have been made righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. I ask you, do you stand in grace today, or have you interpreted grace to be a blanket that covers you and your sin, and you still enjoy your sin? Then you have not entered into the joy of the Lord, and and you are not saved. You've not been made righteous. Only the man or woman who has been made righteous in reality, who has cut off all sin by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Only you can rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Now it says, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings or our tribulations. If you can rejoice in your sufferings, it's a clear sign that you're making progress toward heaven. This is one of the first places that we're called. to In the midst of physical suffering or in the midst of financial suffering or in the midst of whatever the suffering is, being cut off by family or friends, whatever the suffering, if we can rejoice in that, We're making progress toward heaven. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. In other words, if I rejoice in the sufferings of my heart, if I give those into the hand of Jesus, I will be very persevering. I'm not going to stop. I want all of Jesus. I want everything he has for me. I'm going to go for broke. And this perseverance builds character, Paul says. What is character? Character is establishing boundaries against sin and darkness. Character is my way of operating like Jesus. It's character that causes me to not become angry with a brother or a sister. It's character that causes me to be merciful and kind, even at my great expense, even if it increases my sufferings. And character builds hope. Hope for what I can not see, but I know he's going to do. I don't see in the physical realm revival in America, but I have a great hope and a great expectation. I have faith that he is going to bring that revival. That hope has come out of my sufferings. And out of my being persevering year after year after year, a friend said to me, I had breakfast with him just recently, and he said to me, Pastor, I don't know how you've done it. You just keep going. You don't stop. No matter what anybody says about you, no matter what hardship you face, you just keep going. You're not going to stop preaching on the radio, are you? No, I'm not. Jesus assigned me this broadcast. I will do this broadcast until Jesus says, you're finished, or until I die. Why? Because I'm persevering. And that perseverance has built character in me. It's removed all complaining from my heart. Now, there are times when I, like this morning, wake up feeling very, very heavy in my spirit. But I've learned the hard way that that simply means I need to get with Jesus. And I need to put my eyes on him and not on my situation and not on how I feel. And he will come and change the way I feel. I don't operate by my feelings. I operate by what I know to be true. And it says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He pours out his love into our hearts. And he did that for me this morning. (laughs) He poured out his love for me. And my heart was warmed. My spirit was lifted. And I could come today to encourage you. You see, at just the right time, verse 6, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, the love of God for me did not come about after he had made me righteous. No, it was while I was a sinner. Now, please just use common sense here. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The context tells us we're not still sinners. I'm not still a sinner. I've been made righteous. I've been washed by the blood. I've been cleansed. I'm now walking clean before God since we have now been made righteous by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For when we were enemies, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Well, let's stop a minute. That word reconciliation is a technical term. It's a, it's a banking term. I was very happy. I, I looked at the church's checkbook and the amount of money that the checkbook said was there. And then I went to do Sunday's deposit at the bank and I asked them to write down before the deposit the amount of money they said I had in the bank. They were identical. I knew my reconciliation had been correct. I reconciled the bank checkbook for the church. It was reconciled. What does that mean? It means that the bank said I had this much money and my checkbook for the church said the church had this amount of money and it was identical. We were reconciled. Now, what does it mean to have received reconciliation. It means that you no longer walk in sin. It means you're clean before God. Don't try to make up sin. Don't try to conjure up something that's wrong with you. Trust the Holy Spirit to do that in you. This is Holy Spirit work. It just steals your joy If you try to conjure it up, rest in the peace of Jesus. If in fact you are not reconciled with God, then quickly you must turn from that wickedness, whatever it is, and ask the same question the sheriff did in the story at Utica. Will you allow God to reconcile you to himself? Will you cut off that wickedness now? I have received from Jesus reconciliation. Now, what would you think if I had a checkbook that said it was $5,000 short of what the bank said should be there? You'd say, You're not reconciled with the bank. I ask you the question, are you reconciled with God right now? Are you reconciled with Jesus? Or are there still areas of your heart and your life where you know you are not right with God? Where you are not reconciled with God Almighty, with Jesus? Then you must quickly be reconciled with God. Verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world, but sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was the pattern of the one to come. Now, I want you to please hear this. Adam sinned one time. And that sin brought death. Your one sin is no different than Adam's one sin. Your sin will bring death to you. It is not covered over. It's not covered by grace. According to Titus, grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. If I look over here, and I'm going to turn to it quickly. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Let me read a few passages for you. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 3. But these sacrifices, that is, these animal sacrifices of the Old Covenant, are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. I said, Here I am. I have come to do your will, O God. Verse 9, Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The animal sacrifices could not take away sin. They could only cover over the sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ is not like the blood of bulls and goats. The modern church wants us to believe that the blood of Jesus is no more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats and that it can't remove our sin right now. I want to tell you, the blood of Jesus can break the bondage of your addiction. It can break every sin. It can break the power of the devil over your life. And it can make you whole. I want to take you back to Finney. I want to read for you a portion where he describes the doctrines that he preached. And by the way, Charles Finney probably in modern times, brought more people to Jesus than any other single person without television, without the internet. He was used mightily by God in revival. He writes, the doctrines preached in these revivals were the same ones that I had always used. Instead of telling sinners to pray for a new heart, we called on them to make themselves a new heart and a new spirit. Ezekiel 18, verse 31. It's up to you to say, Lord, I must have a new heart. You don't wait on God to give you a new heart. You go to the Lord and get that new heart. And he says, and we press the duty of instant surrender to God. We told them that the Spirit was striving with them to induce them to give him their hearts, to believe, to enter at once into the life of devotion to Christ, a life of faith, love, and Christian obedience. We taught them that if they would yield at once to their own convictions of duty, they would be true Christians. It makes me stop and ask you, have you obeyed the convicting promptings of the Holy Spirit? Or are you still playing with sin? <laughs> if you want heaven to come down and fill your soul You're going to have to forget about yourself and about your sin. And you're going to have to give yourself your life in utter devotion to Jesus. You're going to have to walk in complete Christian obedience. You're not going to be able to play with the world anymore. You're going to have to cut the world, the flesh, and the devil off. And you're going to have to come and say, I want Jesus. Some of you come and you say, I want religion. Religion is not Jesus. I want to be a member of this church. That's not Jesus. I want to have a happy life. That's not Jesus. It's Jesus when we enter into a life of devotion to him. We walk by faith and love, and we obey the smallest commands the Holy Spirit speaks into our heart. He writes, we taught them that if they would yield at once to their own convictions of duty, they would be true Christians. We tried to show them that everything they did or said before they had submitted believed and given their hearts to God, was all sin. It was not what God required them to do, but was simply deferring repentance and resisting the Holy Spirit. The teaching, of course, was opposed by many. Nevertheless, it was greatly blessed by the Spirit of God. That's what I bring to you today. Do you want heaven to come down and fill your soul? You can have it, but you have to let go of yourself. And you have to say, I will serve Jesus. I will cut off the worldly entertainment, I will cut off the worldly activities. I will not continue walking in ways that are negative to my soul with Jesus. I will obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm not of the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. And so I don't think like the world thinks. I don't operate like the world operates. My mind has been taken over by Jesus. I walk clean before him. I walk in faith and victory before him, and you can too. But you're going to have to make that decision. I mean, I love this. This description of this sheriff when he says my soul will you consent to this will you accept Christ and give up sin and give up yourself will you do that brother will you do that sister will you do it right now will you make a decision right now and say okay I'll do it today. Will you do it now? Will you bring your soul to accept Jesus Christ here and now as your Lord and as your Savior? Are you finished playing with the devil? Some of you have plans. You have plans to go to a movie. You know that movie is produced by ungodly men and women. You know the violence. You know the sexual innuendo. You know the agenda. If you go and watch that movie, you are grieving the spirit of Christ. Some of you are planning to go to those concerts of wicked movies or, or wicked... uh Performers singing wicked music. You have to decide. Do you want your wicked ways or do you want Jesus Christ? Some of you have stolen money from someone. You have to decide, am I going to confess that and return it? Some of you are are bitter and angry with someone, and you've cut them off. You've passed judgments against them. I have people who have passed dreadfully angry, hostile judgments against me because of what I teach. They have to face the King of kings and the Lord of lords over their angry judgments and angry words spoken to me. And the accusations they've made against me, they have to deal with that. Do you have things in your heart you must deal with? My mind was heavy and burdened this morning. But as I went before the Lord, he heard my cry. And heaven came down and filled my soul. And his love brought light to my heart. And I rejoice in Christ Jesus today. I hope you do too. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm so grateful for each one of you who listen. And I'm so grateful for each of you who is giving We're almost at the 15th of the month, and we're still a long way from having what we need to cover the cost of radio for this month. Thank you, each of you who is giving so faithfully. It takes each one of you, and when it all adds up, there's enough. And I know it's Jesus. Thank you, brother, sister. Let me pray with you. Lord, I come by faith today in the blessed name of Jesus. I come with hope and expectation for revival in America and in Washington, D.C. I come with hope and expectation for every person listening to this broadcast on the radio or on the YouTube. Lord, come and meet us today. Reconcile our lives with your life, Jesus. Thank you for reconciling my heart. I praise you and I worship you and I honor you. Glory, glory, glory to the name of Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear testimonies of what God is doing in you. Write to me at National prayer chapel post office box 2346 woodbridge virginia 22195 i also urge you invite you to come on sunday if you're in the washington metro area come join us on sunday experience the joy of the holy spirit and the power of prayer You're welcome to come. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com and there you'll find directions for where we meet in Woodbridge. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you with all my heart. I want to meet you in person. I'll talk to you soon.